I was eight years old when I had my first sip of Guinness. What is it about travel that I love so much? I have a great playlist for the gym. <laughs> really gets the aggression out. Gave up alcohol about two years ago now. Honestly, the best life hack ever. All of it pretty much comes down to uh, childhood because as a fetus, I know that I was in France. The things that actually happened in these Magdalene laundries were horrendous. Welcome or welcome back to another episode of These Corners of the World, the travel podcast. I just finished recording my very first installment. I'm not sure if it was episode one or if it was just like an intro because it was very short, but I realized I didn't actually say my name. So my name is Kelly. Nice to meet you. If you haven't already listened to that, do go back because it gives you some overview of who I am, what I want to do with this podcast. Spoiler alert. I don't know what I want to do with this podcast. We'll see how it evolves. At the moment, it's just some form of therapy for me, and I don't expect anyone to even listen to this. I am today going to go into the psychology or perceived psychology of why I travel or why I think I travel. It's something that I only realized recently, and I'm still kind of getting to the bottom of it. Some life changes happened to me recently in terms of I completely cut out alcohol from my life. I didn't have any problem with alcohol other than it caused me problems. <laughs> I didn't drink daily or anything, but maybe once or twice on the weekends or I'd go a few weeks without and then, you know, have a night out and drink alcohol. And I was very much an all or nothing person. I, I guess I still am. But... It wasn't doing me any favors and I would have terrible hangovers. I would have one drink and I would want to stay out till like three o'clock in the morning. Uh, the next day would be a write-off. I wouldn't go anywhere. I would be ill, I guess. I would eat bad food and it was just like not serving me. I'm 30, oh God, I'm 34. <laughs> Forgot how old I was there. I'm, I'm 34 at the moment. I actually started drinking quite young. I was maybe 15 or so. Well, I mean, I was eight years old when I had my first sip of Guinness that I had at a family function. My uncle told me it was Coca-Cola. He thought it would be funny. And there's like a photo montage that exists of me as a child, like looking at the Guinness, sipping the Guinness and then making a face. Haha, <laughs> so funny to give a child alcohol. Anyway, I, you know, obviously didn't start drinking at eight years old, but that was my first taste. And then I'd say maybe around 15, 16, I was in um, kind of a goth phase. And uh, I mean, I still like the music. Slipknot is one of my favorite bands, Linga Park, you know, that era. Still listen to them. I have a great playlist for the gym. <laughs> really gets the aggression out. But, you know, I don't look now like I looked then with like, I'll, I'll wear the odd Metallica t-shirt from time to time. But, you know, I, I don't look like a goth anymore. But I did at the time. And uh, a lot of people in that crowd were 
dealing with some stuff and they turned to alcohol and I was only about 15, 16 years old. And if it's what the people around you are doing, that's what you tend to do. So I, that's what I did. And I um, I'm going to try and improve my ums and ahs. I realize that it's not great podcast ethic etiquette to be like, mm, it's quite distracting. Anyway, I gave up alcohol about two years ago now. Best decision I ever made. It it was tapering off anyway. Like I, I drank heavily enough when I was like a teenager and then when I went to college and then in professional life, it wasn't as bad. However, my body did get, uh, it was more difficult for my body to deal with it as I got older. So the hangovers were worse, even though I was drinking less. So I gave it up about two years ago and it's been honestly the best life hack ever. I'm rarely sick. I'm never hungover. I'm up in the mornings. I'm not making bad decisions with my food. I'm not making bad decisions on a night out. I'm not losing credit cards. I'm not breaking my phone every few months. I'm not saying stupid things to my friends who then don't talk to me for months because drunk Kelly said some stuff that she didn't even mean. This whole thing about the truth comes out when you're drunk that is not true at all. You just say stupid things that you don't mean. So this podcast is not about <laughs> alcohol, but another one that is, is Over the Influence. And I became so obsessed with this podcast. I voraciously listened to every episode. I still do listen to it every week when it's out on a Monday. And I subscribe to their premium podcast as well. So two podcasts every week. That has been really influential in this decision to start my own podcast, to be honest. That and another podcast uh, called I Will Teach You To Be Rich by Ramit. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing his surname correctly, but Seti, Ramit Seti. You may know him from the, the Netflix show of the same name. He has couples and he talks to them about their finances and helps them. What has that got to do with my podcast? Well, this episode specifically, Ramit talks a lot about psychology. And in one recent episode I listened to, because while I'm up to date on Over the Influence podcast, his I'm still getting through the backlog. One I listened to recently, he talks about the psychology of this girl who wanted to travel a lot, basically. And there was a lot of, you know, similarities between her and I and if you've ever listened to his podcast, you'll realize that basically he doesn't just deal with spreadsheets and budgets. He deals with the psychology of why people approach money in the way that they do, what they think about it, why they make the decisions they make. And, and all of it pretty much comes down to uh, childhood issues. And so recently I've been doing a lot of um, introspection. Is that the right word? Based on the fact that I don't drink alcohol anymore, I think has given me the space to do that. And the ideas that come up in terms of psychology and Ramit's podcast made me kind of really think about why do I travel? What is it about travel that I love so much? Because I gave up my job in journalism in Ireland to travel for six months and I never went back. And that was years ago. 
And I loved that job. It's not like I needed to escape that job. I loved it. I was really good at it as well. And I haven't gone back to journalism since because I haven't lived in an English speaking country. So, you know, it's hard to practice journalism in English when you don't live in a country uh, that speaks English as their main language. And also it's harder to do that kind of like journalism for back home in Ireland because, you know, you're not on the ground. You don't live there anymore. So I haven't gone back to it. I hope I will someday. But um, for now, I'm not. And I was thinking, what is it about travel that... Oh, my battery is low. I'm going to have to plug this in. I will change location and come right back. And we are back. If you're listening or watching this on YouTube, then you're really getting the tour of my house right now. I've had to completely change location. I'm using the TV stand for my microphone and my laptop at the moment, which needs to be plugged in. And my house is not very flush with conveniently located plugs. I do not know why. But I do not need to be perfect, so I'm just going to continue on. If I need to be perfect, I won't get anything done, so we'll push on. I think I was talking about how I was doing lots of introspection because of being alcohol-free and then uh, realizing via Ramit's podcast the psychology of certain things. So for me, looking back into my childhood and asking the question why do you travel so much, kind of comes up with some interesting results. If my mother is listening to this, I'm about to go into a lot of detail into my family history and upbringing. I will try and keep this from my mother, I think. But mother, if you are listening, perhaps stop now because I'm going to get very personal with things. And I'm sorry in advance. I am asking for Um, forgiveness, not permission, which I think is a recurring issue you have with me. Anyway, (laughs) if you look back into my childhood and ask why I love travel so much, basically because I never traveled. TLDR, that's, that's pretty much it. We didn't have the resources. We didn't have the money. I basically never went anywhere. We didn't go on day trips much like not really and we didn't go abroad I'm I certainly wasn't going to Disneyland like you know my classmates were and I think that definitely had an effect however I will say that I traveled as young as anyone could because as a fetus I know that I was in France so this is getting gonna get very detailed but my mother fell pregnant when she was 21 it was not planned to this date, my my biological father does not know that I exist, nor probably will he ever. Whether he's dead, alive, has another family, who I have no idea. But my mother, when she realized I was pregnant, I'm, I'm, I think it was after she realized and not before, but I think it was after, yeah. I'm not sure whether it was to escape this reality or to just have one last adventure before she gave birth but she went to France she had she is Irish she had been living in England and she went to France then when I was in her belly as a little fetus and she worked in a vineyard I think picking grapes but um what she always mentions is uh, stomping on grapes the year was 1988 and 
I, I'm, I presume they don't still do it this way, but at the time they made wine by people had to physically get into big barrels and stomp the grapes with their feet. No idea the exact process, but at some part of the process, this is what was required. And I'm pretty sure she didn't get paid very well or like much at all, but this is what she was doing. Then she went home to Ireland and I guess kept the news from her parents, my grandparents, for a while. But obviously it's not really something you can keep to yourself very long. You know, she started to grow, get bigger. She was wearing very baggy t-shirts a lot. But my grandparents at some point were like, huh, okay, you're not getting fat here. You're pregnant, right? And uh, she was like, yeah, yeah. So... Obviously, growing up, what I'm about to say, I, I didn't realize growing up. But now looking back, you know, this was a time in Ireland where being a single mother was not OK. Like it was not um, it was very frowned upon in the community. You know, it was a very Catholic country. And uh, while that has changed somewhat in recent years, it, it still is quite Catholic. You know, in Ireland at the moment, if you want to go to a school unless it's a very special, specific, non-denominational school, like you do have to have your child baptized in the Catholic Church. And that's today. <laughs> so at the time, it was, it was very frowned upon to be pregnant and unmarried, no less pregnant and not even with the father of the child. So it was a very real possibility at the time for my mother to have gone or have been sent to a Magdalene laundry. My international listeners, who am I kidding? No one's going to listen to this, but whatever. <laughs> international people will have no idea what I'm talking about when I say Magdalene laundry. Irish people will, because it was a massive scandal. But just for the international people who may stumble across this podcast somewhere along the ether and want to know, but it was a laundry run by nuns. Now, I'm not super up on this, so if I say anything incorrect, please let me know. But it, to my knowledge, it was a laundry, you know, washing clothes, stuff like that, run by nuns. And they would employ workers to do work, laundry, etc. And it became a thing that this is a place where you send pregnant, unmarried women in Ireland around that time and the idea was that they would have the baby there in secrecy they could you know their bellies would swell the baby would come out so you'd go to the Magdalene laundry and like presumably live there I guess for nine months maybe a little longer maybe a little shorter have the baby you'd go back to your community without the baby no one is none the wiser you're reputation is intact your family's reputation is intact you go on with your life as you say in Spain ya está that's it done find a man settle down have have respectable children and that was a real possibility as an aside the things that actually happened in these Magdalene laundries were horrendous there was abuse of all kinds, physical, sexual. There was, I can't even say it without, 
I don't know, like people who don't know about the Magdalene Laundry scandal, they will think that I'm perhaps being sensationalist or making things up when I say this, but they literally found, you know, how do you describe it? Like sewage, um, sewage vats, septic tanks, uh, where there were remains of babies, fetuses, you know, that were killed during this time because I mean they were you know they were unwanted babies right you know they were treated as if you know they were like you know your stray cat had kittens and you couldn't feed them all so you drowned them like that happened back in the day like this is how they treated women and and babies at the time you know and other babies that lived that weren't let's be honest murdered uh they were sold or given to uh, some people in Ireland, you know, a quote-unquote respectable, in the eyes of the Catholic Church, respectable couples who maybe couldn't have children for one reason or another, or, you know, they were shipped off to, like, America to predominantly rich, affluent, again, quote-unquote respectable Catholic couples over in America. Some, I believe, were sold. Um, others given. It's, it's a whole thing. You'd have to look it up and specifically um, look into it. A, an ex-colleague of mine in the Irish Examiner, he was quite adamant about uh, this topic and he's written a lot about it. So if you search Irish Examiner, I can't give you his full name because any international listener won't know how to spell it, but it's, his name is Magdalene Laundry. You'll find it. You'll find lots of stuff about it. Bringing it back to my own experience, though I was but a fetus myself at the time, this was a very real possibility for something like this to happen to my mother and to me. Like, I could have ended up dead in a septic tank at, you know, one day old, or being sold to rich Americans, or given to a different uh, couple's some only down the road but they were never you know it was very secret what happened like you never knew I I do have a friend in Ireland and I hope she won't mind me saying this but I'm not going to say any names but she only recently found out that she had an older brother uh that you know this was a type of situation that happened and the, the baby her older brother at the time uh was given away to a different uh couple who were married and it was just another county over like it was not far away at all and they were living like in relatively close distance maybe like a 30 minute drive from each other and you know had never known each other their whole life basically because of the catholic church they eventually found each other because of dna you know online these days you can do dna tests um and get matches like 23andme uh ancestry.com you know those ones that's how they that's how they found each other Anyway, um, this didn't happen to me and I am so grateful for it. I had no idea how forward thinking my grandparents were because they, they must have been at the time to have uh, kept my mom in the home, raised me as their own with along with her. I grew up basically living with my mom and with my grandparents. And that was my normality. That was my norm. I might go into my childhood 
some other time, but that's not the purpose of this. This is not why I'm saying it. So apart from the fetal trip to France that I obviously do not remember, I basically didn't travel anywhere for at least like 10, 11 years of my life. I, I mean, I didn't know any different, you know, I was a kid, but I did see my classmates going to Disneyland, going to Spain, going on family holidays. And I did kind of wonder like, why don't I go anywhere? But, you know, on the weekends with my grandparents, we would go to a different garden center every weekend. And there was like maybe five or six garden centers and they would be in like a rotation basis and they would just be like, you know, surrounding counties. It wasn't far, like anything within within an hour and a half drive, I think. And we would go to the garden centers and my grandmother would walk around and look at flowers and she would do some shady stuff. <laughs> she would take slips. Anyone who doesn't have green finger, I, I mean, I don't. Anyone, or is it green thumb? It might be green thumb, actually. That'll just show you how much I, I don't know. I had an orchid once and I killed it. And it, I've got another orchid. I killed that one. I did not inherit this green thumb that my grandmother had. Her garden was uh, immense. But she would do this thing in the garden centers where she would take slips of plants. Taking a slip of a plant is, let me see. All, see, all my plants here are like plastic. I can't even, I can't even show you an example here on YouTube. But... It's like taking um, like a twig and like breaking it in a certain way, like peeling it off that you can then put that twig in a soil uh, area somewhere, like in a ground or in, in, the, in a pot or something. And then that sprig will grow into another flower, plant, tree, whatever. It was a gray, gray thing that she was doing because, I mean, it's technically stealing, right? You know, you're taking something that's not yours, but she didn't take the full, you know, let's say it's a potted flower. She didn't take that potted flower, but she did get her fingers and go in and like take a little sprig and put that sprig in her bag. As a child, I had, you know, I just thought this was normal. But looking back, I mean, I guess she was kind of stealing every weekend at these, at these garden centers. Like I said, we weren't, we weren't well off, like, at all we always made ends meet I don't even know how because my grandparents my mom is one of 13 children again back in the day Catholic Ireland contraceptives wasn't allowed wasn't a thing you know you get married and you pop out babies one after the other and there were a few miscarriages there were there was I'm not sure if there was two stillbirths, but there was a baby called Pascal who died. My grandmother's, uh, I guess my uncle, uh, died as a baby. It was, it was caught death, I think. And we would go and visit that grave, that tiny grave um, in the local graveyard regularly enough. Like my, I don't know if my mom even knew that we would go there because yeah, I would go with my, my grandmother. And I think I told her only a few years ago and she was surprised that, that my grandmother brought me there but I mean I was very young myself I didn't really understand again I'm digressing but basically I'm just trying to say that my grandparents had always had children in the house there was you know many mouths to feed <laughs> and we weren't well off at all but we made ends meet and obviously well my mom was uh, she's a twin they the twins were the youngest so by the time my mom was 20 obviously all my grandmother's children were 
out of the family home at that point. So it was just me and my mom and them. We didn't do day trips. We went to garden centers and we didn't go abroad. But then we did go abroad. I'm not sure my age, but I might have been like 11 or 12. And where we went, (laughs) we went to England. So this is from Ireland to England. Is it an hour's flight? If even, I don't know, probably like 40 minutes or something. We went to England to a convent to visit my aunt there. Didn't realize that this podcast would be so rooted in Catholicism, but back in the day in old Catholic Ireland, when you had a child, when you started having children, like your eldest child, it was like, I'm not sure if you had to, but it was like a respected thing to do that your first child was, uh, went into either the priesthood if it was a male child or became a nun if it was a female child. So my aunt, uh, still living today, um, I won't say her name, but she was, I don't know if sent is the right word, probably she was a willing participant because she would have grown up with the idea of, you know, you'll become a nun. I'm not sure if she resents that, probably not, but she became a nun um, very young. I think it might have been 17, 16, 17. She would have gone to England to a nunnery. Well, she did very well for herself. And she, um, I believe the term is mother superior. She became the mother superior of her order at one point. And this is who we went to visit when I was like 10, 11, 12. Not sure of the exact age, but my first trip abroad to England to a convent to visit my aunt. Now, it was a cool convent. It was very big, lots of rooms. I think it was like a boarding school for girls also. So the grounds were, it was like Hogwarts almost. It was, well, maybe not like that, but there was a forest with, you know, deer. And if you got up early enough, you would see the deer on the edge of the forest, like eating grass and stuff. And there was like tennis courts and a swimming pool, not a, not a heated swimming pool, like an outdoor Olympic sized swimming pool, you know? So it was a large boarding school that was also an orphanage, uh, an orphanage, sorry, (laughs) a convent. Sorry, I don't know where they came from. Um, And that's where we went. And you know what? I think maybe I went another time as well. I might've gone two years in a row when I was like 10 and then maybe when I was like 11. And again, then that was it. That was it. I went to college at the age of about 18 Sorry, no, bring it back. For my 18th birthday, my mom took me to Paris because I'd always, I'd studied French. Do not really remember much French now. (laughs) But at the time I was studying French in school and loved it, had this romanticized ideal of what Paris was like. And my mom, I think we saved up and we went to Paris for my 18th birthday. And then I went to college And I had liked that trip to Paris so much that I was basically hooked. You know, I was like, I need to keep traveling. Where do I get the money? I maxed out a credit card because when you're 18 years old and you go to college in Ireland, the campus bank will want your business like for the rest of your life or something. So they'll offer you like a a credit card with a limit of like, I don't know, two, three, four thousand euro 
to, you know, set up a bank with them. And I was like, free money. Well, not free money, but like money now. And I maxed it out immediately. Like I maxed out this credit card with absolutely no shame. And I went to New York for three months. (laughs) And I even with that credit card, like, I mean, airfare is expensive, like that money was gone pretty quickly. I worked as a uh, packer in a moving company. Pretty much 90% of the people who worked there with me were ex-convicts. Some went back to prison while I was there because they were caught for various crimes. It was so fun. Like, it was so cool. Um, It was random. They moved to Mariah Carey's house and I didn't get to go on the job. And I was so annoyed. Like that, I was really annoyed about that one, actually. Uh, And then there was a few overnight trips um, that I didn't also get to go on, but almost did. And I was really annoyed about not getting to go on those trips because, um, you know, I wanted to see more of the States and I didn't have the money. Um, But looking back, I think it was a safety thing because like I was one of basically like two, three girls in the entire company. Everyone was an ex-convict everything was fine nobody harassed me no there was no bad anything that happened but I think management kind of went huh we're sending this girl down with all these guys to move a house stay overnight in like West Virginia and then come back like we're gonna avoid this potential lawsuit if anything happens so I mean they were covering their own backs I'm pretty sure nothing would have happened but like looking back I probably shouldn't have given them as much stick as I did because It wasn't out of my incompetence that they didn't send me. They just, they were looking out for me, I guess. Basically, I did a few touristy things in New York that I, over the three months, I couldn't really afford to do anything more. I was living in a basement in Queens with like cockroaches and millipedes and some insects I honestly don't even, I couldn't even categorize. I didn't want to know what they were, to be honest. And I was living there in that basement um, for the whole three months, yet I was working in upstate New York. So I had to get up at like 5 a.m. every morning, walk to the bus, get the bus to the metro, get the metro to Grand Central Station, transfer to an overhead train and get the train north just to be in work for like 9 a.m. And sometimes we would get in the van and drive right back down to Manhattan and I would be like, oh my God, like I just did all this commuting for nothing I could have had like two more hours in bed but basically it was because we got scammed this is supposed to be a psychology episode and here I am 30 minutes in talking about this but I mean it's travel related so I'm gonna indulge myself we got scammed um it was me and a girl from college and a guy from college the girl said that she would sort the accommodation she found one we sent her the deposit, bish bash boom, apartment didn't exist, money gone. She found it on Gumtree and yeah, she should have been more careful. <laughs> Don't ever find apartments on Gumtree, lesson number one. The apartment didn't exist. We went and stayed in a holiday in hotel near JFK airport that wasn't supposed to be rented out because the window had a big crack in it it was like duct taped together but they took pity on us and our situation and there was like four of us staying in this one double room because we picked up another guy I didn't even know him like there was another guy in the same situation and um then 
after like two weeks in this just hotel room, uh, the bellboy's uncle had like a basement and he was like, you can stay there and just pay me rent. And, you know, that guy was crazy because he like came down and showed us the basement and he turned on the oven, like the gas on the oven and opened the, the oven door and said, this will warm you up. Like the gas in the oven and then left and we closed it and turned it off obviously because we were like first of all that's so dangerous like if anyone had a match like the whole place going up in flames and this guy's living in the like above us you know at this stage uh he's our landlord like we're living in the basement which has like an oven and it's you know not supposed to be a an apartment but it's like there's some stuff there there was a fridge and a and a, a bed <laughs> Like one double bed and then we bought air mattresses for the two guys and then me and this other girl sh- shared the bed. But anyway, like this guy, like, I mean, it's summer in New York City. We didn't need the heat anyway. Like he's turning on the oven for heat. Like I'm, apart from the safety hazards, like it was, it was roasting. I don't know. He was an odd guy. So we kept thinking we would move out, like find another place closer to where we were working because we were all working in the moving company and it just didn't happen. So like the demand was very high that that year and getting something last minute was just not an option so we did that for three months lived in that basement in Queens infested we would wake up in the morning with mystery red marks on our legs like our bodies it was yeah pretty bad and I had maxed out this credit card just to get there but you know what I was young I was I'm 34 now I guess I'm still young but I was younger and it was my first taste of travel and I was absolutely hooked and it's only now looking back that I realize why I did that because I mean we all do stupid things when we're younger right but I think I was just starved of it you know I hadn't gone anywhere I hadn't seen anything I didn't really realize that there were like other cultures other places to explore how vast they were that New York City was as big as it was. So I'm starting to understand that I, I think my childhood is the reason why I like to travel so much. I did think that it, you know, traveling might be a phase. Again, I referenced earlier quitting my job and going traveling. I thought that perhaps that would like, quote unquote, get it out of my system. It definitely didn't. <laughs> To this day, I I don't know if the phase will end, if I will ever settle down somewhere, if I'll ever, like, not want to voraciously travel. Like, my idea, my worst nightmare is not being able to travel anywhere. My second worst nightmare is being the type of person who goes on holiday once a year to the exact same place. Like, no offense if if it's what you're into, that's fine, but... If people like go on holidays, like the same resort in Spain from Ireland every single year and have the same exact holiday and just drink every day, like that is hell to me. That is just my idea of what's the point. I think this might be a good place to leave it for today. I don't think I have any more insights about my psychological state and why I want to travel and why I do travel so much. I hope you've enjoyed listening. I don't think that I've structured this perhaps correctly, but you know what? 
it's 40 minutes almost and I'm not going to force you to to sit through this anymore. I am potentially going to have a rant in my next episode about why you should never book through a third party, specifically flights. I had a very bad experience recently where I bought flights on Kiwi.com and the connection was uh, missed and I was not helped by anyone. It's kind of still ongoing. It's been a while, but it doesn't seem like anything is happening. And certainly at the time, you know, stranded in Paris, actually, at I think it was 9 p.m. Suddenly with no onward connection and nowhere to stay and no one to help me. Like that was, yeah, that was pretty dire. So I might have a rant about that and just get that off my chest next episode. So if that sounds like something you're interested in listening to, do check that out. And I will see you then. Bye, guys. So this is the night before this podcast is being released. And I'm just adding a bit onto the end of it because... I just spoke to my mom and shared the piece with her and she reminded me of a few things that I actually hadn't remembered and I think it's because you know when you're remembering back things when you're a kid and the memory is slightly off and there's some things maybe you don't remember exactly so in talking to her she like raised a few good points actually that I think I went to England when I was four actually um, and then again a few years later. So there was actually more trips to England than I thought there was. One was on a ferry and I do kind of remember a vague memory of some someone had thrown up in the bathroom of the ferry and it was like nasty and I remember that was a vivid memory. I don't really remember the trip itself but I, I, I remember that. So I'm yeah, I did I did go a few more times to England than I than I remember. And also we did do more, you know, weekend trips and day trips in Ireland than I remember either. My mom was like, Don't you remember going to the zoo? Like, don't you remember going to the beach in Tremor? And yeah, yeah, we did. So I hope listening to this that you don't get the sense that I had in any way like a bad childhood. Like I absolutely didn't. Um I guess I'm just coming at it from the point of view of you know, abroad travel, like big travel, like Florida Disneyland travel, which we didn't do any of that. But, you know, we did have an active lifestyle at the weekends and we would go and do stuff. So just want to clarify that. Um, And also a lot of people would visit us because my grandparents, again, harking back to Catholicism, uh, they had 13 children. So we had a lot of visitors all the time. Um... I got to know my aunts and uncles and cousins really well, which was which was fab. And a few times I actually went and visited them. Um, other points to note was actually my mom didn't stomp grapes. So I don't know where I got that. I think I must have had like a romanticized view of, of what she was doing over there, picking grapes. She was picking them, but she wasn't stomping on them. They had a machine for that. So I probably just got that conflated with some old timey stomping grape thing I saw in like a YouTube video or like a film or something. <laughs> um, what else? When I went to Paris with my mom, I was 16, not 18. I did go again to Paris when I was 18, but the first time was 16. I got that wrong. And yeah, another point to note, the last one is that my mom doesn't think that my love of travel comes from not having gone abroad as a, as a child much, apart from to England. 
uh, it's complicated, but I th- she thinks that I'm just, you know, it's just my thing. I'm just like super into it. Everybody, you know, has an addiction. She put it, some people are addicted to Coke. I'm addicted to travel. And, you know, maybe she's right. And it made me think, why don't I get my mom on this podcast? And she can tell everybody like her thoughts on why I am the way I am. And yeah, I've recorded a few episodes in advance, so this wouldn't be imminent, but I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to get her on a Zoom call and uh, yeah, pick her brain a little bit. She can also talk about where she's been because she's been to a lot of places uh, recently. We went together to Turkey, to Istanbul. I brought her there for her birthday one year. Um, she's been to New York. We went there for Valentine's or Galentine's one year. Um, Prague. She's come to visit me in Spain and she's come to visit me in Finland and Scotland. So yeah, she would be a good person to have on the pod. So yeah, I'm going to leave it there and go to sleep because it's very late (laughs) and I'm tired and my tooth is sore from the dentist. So I hope you enjoyed the episode and I will see you in the next one. Bye.